Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We are moving through the book of 1 Timothy. Chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 6 through 11. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 11, and we are going to look at the issue of discipline, okay? Kids, you're okay today. Not that kind of discipline, but rather uh, training, training yourself, disciplining yourself, both bodily and spiritual. We're going to be comparing those two. That's what Paul does in this passage. So we're going to begin reading in verse 6. You follow along in your Bibles or on the screens. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths. Rather, listen to this, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and we strive because we have our hope set in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Father, we thank you for your word today. And God, we pray that you would put it in our hearts to train ourselves to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Help us to see the great prize that awaits for the godly man, for the godly woman, for the godly student. Father, we ask that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that Paul does in this passage is he begins to talk about bodily discipline, okay? He does that because most of us are familiar with having to discipline our bodies, having to train our bodies. Maybe you have been a part of athletics uh, in the past, and maybe you understand what it means to, to uh, maybe run laps or to uh, learn to dribble a ball or learn to ski or learn to just some kind of physical bodily discipline. Uh, maybe you've been on a diet before. Any, any dieters in here? And, and that, that's one way that we we discipline our body for a certain end. Now, the interesting, interesting thing about bodily discipline is there's always something out there that prompts us to train ourselves, that disciplines us. There's always a goal, right? There's always, there's always something a, a, at the end that we're trying to achieve by, by disciplining our body, okay? I was uh, riding back with my mom and dad. We went to, uh, I did a wedding last night in Oklahoma City, and we were driving back, and my mom and dad were with us, and uh, my mom was telling me about, she's in a Bible study, she's in a couple of Bible studies, and one meets at, at noon with some ladies, and all the ladies bring their lunch, and, and she was telling me about this, this one lady, really great godly lady, we, we've known her for a long time, but every day she eats, this is her lunch, she brings five almonds and a Diet Coke. That's what she has for lunch. Now, Immediately, that piqued my interest. For one thing, that, that doesn't even register in categories that I would call lunch, okay? That's not lunch to me. That's not only not lunch, that's not snack. I, I don't even, is there one below snack, you know? If there's one below snack, that's where that would fall in for me. And, and so I just began to think about five almonds, you know? I mean, not even a handful of almonds or a bag of almonds. I could see that. That still wouldn't be lunch. But, you know, I could see, you know, a bag. But five almonds and, and a Diet Coke. And I started thinking, you know what? I want and I'm going to ask her someday, next time I go home and see her, I'm going to say, what, what is it out there that's driving you? What is it out there that, that makes you say no to the Sonic Super Cheeseburger and say yes to five almonds and a Diet Coke? Because there's something. I mean, nobody just wakes up and says, boy, I'm really hungry. Five almonds, that's what I want. I mean, nobody does that. You know, you, you're doing that for a specific purpose because you have something in mind that, that you're wanting your body to accomplish, right? And, and that's the way all of discipline is geared is there's some value, whether it's staying slim or, or, or maybe a health concern, maybe you're a diabetic or you're hypoglycemic or 
Or maybe, maybe you're trying to fit into a wedding. Maybe you have an event, maybe like a wedding, you know? There's a wedding dress and you, you bought a size eight and you're, you're not a size eight. And so you got to somehow fit in that dress, you know? And so you, you, you do five almonds and a Diet Coke. I, I don't know. But there's some goal, right, in, in all of discipline. And, and so Paul puts that forward. And, and he actually says, if you'll notice in verse eight, he says, while bodily training is of some value. Stop right there. It's of some value, okay? And so Paul affirms that, you know what? There is value in disciplining our bodies. There's value in exercise. There's value in, in diet. There's value in saying no to things that aren't healthy and saying yes to things that, that are making your body run or, or walk or, or lift weights or what, whatever it is that you do, cycle. There, there is some value to that, okay? And so we could say, well, what is the value? Well, better health or better stress or less stress or longer life or less sickness or stronger body, be able to play with the kids, the grandkids. There's always some value in bodily discipline Unless, and by the way, I'm, I'm emailing something Dr. Kirkendall wrote to, uh, to my small group leaders, so they may talk about this. Yeah, he, he kind of goes, he covers just this point really well. Um, unless it, it's a sinful motivation. See, there's times where that thing out there that we're driving for is, is really not, not actually beneficial. You know, it's not actually, it's not actually a blessing in our life. Um, if you'll go up just a little bit, this, we'll, we won't stay long on this, but in, in verse 3 of chapter 4, it says, it talks about these, these false teachers. It says, they forbid marriage and they require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. Okay, there, there are some people who almost make a God simply out of discipline. Okay, there are, there are certain religions that, that the whole, the, the end, the thing out there is just discipline. I mean, there ain't any prize beyond it. It's just discipline. It's just, we say no to this, and we don't eat this, and we don't do this, and we don't do this. And because of that, we are spiritual. And you do all those things, you are not, okay? I mean, that, that's, that's all it is. And there's nothing of value about that, okay? But there is value in simply saying, okay, I don't, I don't want to be unhealthy, so I'm I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to eat the onion rings or whatever. I want to be healthy, so I'm going to walk. I want to be healthy, so I'm going to, I'm going to jog. I'm going to be, I, want to be, I want to be fit. So I'm going to, okay, there, there is some value in bodily discipline. But here's what Paul says, okay? He says in verse 8, while there's some value in bodily training, he says godliness is of value, notice, in every way. Godliness is of value in every way, okay? So, so while we might... We might tell our bodies no to certain foods and make our bodies run or do difficult things. Paul says that's only of a little value, but he says godliness. Now, what is godliness? Godliness is godlikeness. It's being like God, okay? It's having a God-centered view. It's, it's being reverent toward God, fearing God, loving God, desiring God. It's having a God-centered life. And Paul says godliness is valuable in every way. Now, that, that's really exciting to me. Godliness is valuable in every way. So if I discipline myself toward godliness, the apostle Paul says that's valuable in every way. Now, unpack what every way is. Every way is everything in your life. Godliness will be of value to you. It will be a blessing to you. It will, it will better your life in every particular area of your life. So let's say, take your mood, for instance. You know what? If you, if you progress, if you discipline yourself toward godliness, your mood's gonna improve, okay? You're gonna have more joy. You're gonna have more thanksgiving. You're gonna have more peace in times of stress and struggle. You're, you're, you're actually gonna change. It's gonna be a blessing in that area of your life, your attitude, your relationship. 
relationships. Did you know that as you progress in godliness, as you, as you love God more and serve God more and have more of a God-centered life, your relationships will improve. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better son or a better daughter. You'll be a better friend, a better coworker. Your, your work ethic will improve. You'll be a better employee the more godly that you get. Okay, In every way, he says, I believe that includes handling money, Godliness affects the way that you handle money, what kind of steward you are over your money. It affects your decision making. I mean, just just every way. Paul says, in every corner of your life, godliness is going to be a benefit. Okay, so do you see the comparison here? He's saying physical discipline. I could go out and I could I could spend three hours a day, you know, running and cycling and and lifting weights, and and that would have a little value of my life. I mean, it would have some value. It, it would uh, there'd be some things that I'd be able to do that I couldn't do before, and I might live longer. I might be a little healthier. There would be a little bit of value. But he says, godliness, if you, if you spend time cultivating godliness in your life, disciplining yourself for godliness, it has a large value, okay? Because it, it, it affects every part of your life, okay? So it has a tangible, immediate, present day, right here and now, impact on our lives. You cultivate godliness in your life, it's going to change your today. Isn't that cool? It's going to change your today. Change your tonight. Change how you feel about life. Change your relationships. Your marriage. It's going to change things right now, but not only right now. Look at what else verse 8 says. It says, well, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life. Here's something cool. Ready? And also for the life to come. Do you think about that very much? Do you, do you think about that? I, most people don't, so you're not, you're not alone if you don't. Do you think about that this is not the only life? There is a life to come, for the life to come. You know, so many times we get wrapped up in, in just seeing all, all, all that we see is what's right here in front of us, you know? And so if we, if we don't have all that we want to have in this life, then, then we're upset and we despair. Or if we, if we don't have the relationships that we'd like to have in this life, then, then we feel all is lost. Or if things don't go our way, or our body begins to break down, or we have health trouble or sickness, we, we, we forget that, you know what? This life is not the only life. There is a life to come. And, and, and what Paul is saying here is that godliness impacts that life to come, okay? So as you train your body, as you train, I'm sorry, as you train your spiritual life, as you discipline your spiritual life toward godliness, that affects your joy and your happiness and, and your capacity to, to, to live and, and to enjoy God in the life to come. Now let's think about the life to come for, for just a second, okay? Number one, one of the major differences between this life and the life to come is that this one is real short and that one is real long, okay? I mean, isn't that one of the major differences? This life truly is really short. I mean, it just goes by just like that. 39 years old. You know what 39 years old means? If I live to be the average lifespan of an American male, I'm already halfway done. I'm halfway done. My life's halfway gone. And, it's, oh, and it just went by just like that. I mean, here's kind of what I remember. I was in first grade, Mr. McGee's class, checker tournament. And then I graduated from high school. And then I got married to Emma. And we had a baby, Hannah. And then like three days later, she went to college. And then here we are. I mean, that, that's it. That's my life. And, and I, there's a few other things. I think there's some other kids. Uh, but but that, I mean, just bam, that fast. And so if the next 39 years go as fast as the first 39 years, this deal's about done. I mean, I, I mean, really. I mean, that, that's, that, that's, that's the impression I'm getting. And, and so when I think about that godliness has an impact not only on this life, but also on the life to come. That me disciplining my life to seek the Lord now, to become like Christ now, will impact 
ages upon ages, forever and ever. It's kind of like high school. This was for me. Maybe you had a different experience. But, you know, when you're in high school, it, it just seems like this is all there is, you know. And, and, and these people are the only people that matter. And, you know, what these people think of me is all that matters. And whether I'm good at this sport is all that matters. And, and then it's like you graduate and you kind of step out. You know, you kind of open the door and you're like, oh, wow. Oh, that, that, that was just training. You know, that, that was just a blip, you know. I, you know what? I, I, don't, I probably have not seen but maybe 10 of those people in 20 years, you know? I thought they were the only people on the planet, you know? I mean, the only people that mattered. And, and, and I left, and they, I, I mean, I don't even know where they are. I can't even remember their name. Emma can remember their names, but I can't. She's like, you know, we looked through books. She's like, you remember that? I don't remember that. You remember that person? No, I don't remember any of this. Was I there, you know? I mean, it's just, it's, you know what? I think, I think that's the way the life to come. Do you think that's the way it's going to be? I wonder that when, when, we, when we come into that next life, the new heavens and the new earth where Christ will reign as king, I wonder if we'll look back and say, man, do you remember that little bitty blip? Remember that when we were, when we were on earth? You know, remember that in the old, you know, with sin? and Remember how that was? I don't remember much. I wonder if it's going to be that distant and there's this whole new life that opens up. I don't know. But, but I do know the life to come is longer. I do know that the life to come has greater potential for joy and pleasure than this life. Aren't you glad that this life has joy and pleasure? I am. I am. Man, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad. And I believe that. But you know what I also believe? I believe Psalm 1611 that says that in God's presence, someday we'll be there. Someday in God's presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I also believe Revelation 21 that describes for me what it's going to be like in the new heavens and the new earth where it says he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God and he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Man, that's exciting to me that in, in the new heavens and the new earth, in the life to come, there's not going to be any sin, okay? All the things that make this life difficult and struggle and miserable and at times painful and hard, they won't be there. Folks, that really excites me to think about that right now, if I discipline myself for godliness, I have the ability to affect my capacity to live in joy in the life to come. You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to be godly. Not, not invest all my, my efforts in today, but think about the life to come. You know, let me ask you this. If you knew you were going to Walt Disney World tomorrow, okay, would you spend all your money at the, at the Pride of Texas Carnival at Crystal Beach tonight? Would you do that? If you knew you knew you're going to Disney World tomorrow, would, would you, you know, you have so much money for vacation, would you spend it all at, at the Pride of Texas Carnival over at Crystal Beach riding the Tilt World? Would you? You know the, the scary thing? Some of you would. That's really the scary thing, you know? You'd be like, hey, I don't know if tomorrow's going to be here. Let's go another ride, you know? I, man, I just don't think that's smart, you know? I, I think if you know you got something big coming, you ought to say, I want to invest in that. I want to prepare for that. And you know what it also ought to do? Knowing the life to come, knowing that the future that's there, it ought to, it ought to, be, it ought to make you want to, make you be willing. That's what you should Make you be willing at times to sacrifice in this life. And it'd be okay to do that with joy. I went on my 20th anniversary trip uh, with my wife a couple weeks ago. I think I've, I've told you guys about that. And, and here, here's kind of the funny thing. The first night of our 20th anniversary wedding trip, the first night we spent it in the Ardmore parking lot of Walmart sleeping in the back of the van, okay? 
Now, now, for some of you, that might seem like a really bad, but you know what? We loved it. We were happy to do it. We had great joy. You know why? Because we knew the next night we were going to be sleeping by the ocean, okay? You see, if there wouldn't have been the prize, then it would have been a bad deal. If, if, if I just said, honey, I'm going to take you on an anniversary trip, and we'd have drove, parked at Walmart and Ardmore, slept there, and come home, there might not have been a 21st, okay, anniversary. But see, because, because there's the prize, it makes suffering or discomfort or maybe not the best now okay. Paul is saying, Paul is saying, discipline yourself for godliness, for the prize, the hope. Now, notice verse 10. Again, whenever there's discipline, somebody's got hope, okay? You, whenever you see somebody jogging, riding their bike, doing something hard, not eating what they, what they could eat. You know what? They've got some hope in mind, okay? Verse 10 says this, for to this end we toil and strive. Why? Because we have our hope, our hope set on the living God who's the Savior of all people. You see, Paul says there, there's hope. Anytime someone disciplines, it's because they have hope of something to come. And friends, our Bible tells us very specifically that godliness produces benefit in this life, in every way, right now, present time, and also the life to come. So what's, what's, what should that make you do? That should make you want to discipline yourself for godliness, right? How does that work? Well, let's get something straight, first of all, before we go any further. Let's get something straight. Anytime, anytime you progress in godliness... Anytime you begin to love God more, anytime you begin to uh, have more spiritual strength, okay, where's that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit, okay? Can we all agree with that? That comes from the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure we understand that. However, however, the Holy Spirit does not work apart from your effort, okay? He could, but you know what he's chosen to do? He's chosen to ask you to seek him. He's chosen to ask you to, to strive and, and to employ effort and energy and time and initiative, in your spiritual life. And through that, the Spirit of God will work, okay? And so, so what Paul tells us, tells Timothy to do here, tells us to do, is to train ourselves for godliness. That word train is the Greek word gymnazo, and, it, and it, it's where we get our English word gymnasium. Isn't that interesting? Okay? That, and, the, and it's a word that means rigorous effort, strenuous training. And, and so Paul is saying, train yourself for godliness, okay? Train yourself. Train yourself for your spirit, in your spiritual life for godliness. Now, let's talk about training for just a few minutes here, okay? First thing you need to know about training is as long as there's a prize, training doesn't end, okay? Right? As long as there's a prize, and there's always a prize for, for the believer, as long as there's a prize, as long as there's a prize for us becoming more godly, training should never end. In other words, you should never come to a point where you say, okay, I'm done, okay? See, that happens sometimes with bodily training, you know, some, someone goes, you know, they're trained for the Olympics. And man, they, they sacrifice and they work hard and they get up early and they stay up late. And then the Olympics are over. Have you ever seen some of those folks when the Olympics are over? They look just like us, you know? You know why? Because there's no more pride. I mean, they're done. And so they quit. We're never done, though, right? We're never done. Bonnie's not done. Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie's, been, Bonnie's been seeking the Lord, uh, seeking godliness for a long time in her life. But man, she, she's, she's hitting the gas pedal. She's going to Africa to serve the Lord. She, she's challenging herself in spiritual ways that she's never done before. You know why? Because the prize is still out there. Number two, training is scheduled and repetitive. Okay? 
By nature, training is scheduled and repetitive. In other words, if you're going to train yourself for godliness, that's not going to happen on a whim. It didn't happen bodily that way. When you train your body, does it happen that way? No, you schedule, don't you? You schedule exercise. Nobody exercises accidentally. How many people have you ever seen coming out of Walmart with their milk and they're like, I feel like running. There they take off, you know? You know? Three miles later, they come back. Whoo! Whoo! That's great, you know? And then the next day, you know, they weren't meaning to, but, you know, they, they come out of the doctor's office and they're like, I think I'll do some push ups, you know? I'm right there on the street. It didn't happen that way. How's that happen? You plan it, right? You plan it. Michelle, you go to the gym. When do you go? You go in the morning, don't you? Early in the morning. She got to set her alarm. She got to get up. You know, and, and she, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this time slot. I'm going to do it here, okay? Same thing with your spiritual life. It's not going to happen by accident. If you keep waiting, you know, if, if, if your mindset is, well, pastor keeps talking about this praying and reading the Bible stuff, and I keep leaving church and going home, and I'm kind of waiting for it to happen, but it never does, and so I just start watching TV, and I guess it's not going to, no, it, it doesn't happen that way. You, you, got, you got a plan. You got to say, man, I want to be God. I want to be like Christ. I want to know him. I want to experience him. I want to experience his glory. And so, so I'm going to plan. I'm going to set aside time to strive for godliness. Got to happen over and over and over again. Training, that's what training is. You know, it's not it's just one. You know, I, wouldn't it be silly if I said, hey, guys, I'm a runner. Yeah, I train. I ran five years ago. It was a Wednesday. Once. It was a mile. I'm a runner. I'm not a runner if that's all I ran, is it? No. It, part of training is it's over and over and over and over and over and over again. Same way with your spiritual life. Okay, let me give you an example. Okay, we're gonna keep talking about training, but let me just give you a quick example. I don't want you to, I don't want you to lose what we're talking about here. Okay, so if I wanna be godly, that means I wanna be humble, right? Because I can't be prideful and be like God. I can't be prideful and love God, okay? And so just employing what we already know about, about training, if, I, if I'm gonna be humble, then I've gotta set aside time and effort and energy toward humility. What's that gonna look like? Well, let me tell you what it look like, looks like for me. I've memorized verses about humility, okay? James 4, 6, real easy one. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. You know how many times I have said that to myself? Thousand, at least, okay? I mean, I can't tell you the number of times where someone's been chewing me out or I'm in a situation where someone's demanding what I think is too much of me. Pride is beginning to well up inside of me. You know what I'm saying in my head? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, Jason. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Sometimes I gotta say about 10 times, you know, right in a row, you know? Especially with Paula. I mean, she's always, I'm just, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. You know, I'm just, it's over and over and over again. It's it's training, it's training. And you know what else I'm doing? I'm praying. I'm praying, God, help me be humble here. God, help me, Lord, my flesh is rising up. Help me be humble. God, please give me your power. Help me to be humble. And then you know what I'm doing? I'm taking a step of faith, a step of obedience. I'm taking a step into humility. God, I'm gonna do the humble thing here. What am I doing? I'm training, right? I'm training, okay? Let's keep talking about training, okay? Training is hard, okay? It's scheduled, it's repetitive, it's hard. Okay, listen to what Paul says in verse uh, 10. He says, for to this end, we toil and strive. What, what, what do those words mean to you? Toil and strive. What, those are rigorous, painful, difficult words, okay? And, and all training has to do with hard things, okay? You know why? 
Because we don't need to train for things that aren't hard, right? How many people you ever see at Brahms and they're training to eat ice cream, you know? <laughs> Three more bites. Oh, I got it. You don't have to do that, do you? I think we all pretty much eat ice cream just fine. You know, we don't have any problem with it. How many, how many of you have to train to watch TV? You have to do that, you know? I gotta watch 30 more minutes, 30 more minutes. No, we don't have to do that. Why? Because our flesh by nature does those things. Spiritually, your flesh does not seek God. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. We're all sinners. That means that we don't by nature seek God. We don't by nature love God. We don't by nature pursue God. And so all training in godliness is going to be hard, right? It's going to be difficult. Um, we, we, we just need to understand that's going to be the case. You know, I, I hear people all the time say things like, you know, Pastor, I tried to read the Bible. It was just too hard. Yes, it is hard. Or, or, or I hear this all the time. I, I can't memorize. It's, it's just hard for me. You, you know, instead of using that as an excuse, you, you should say, memorizing is hard for me. Huh, that's just what Pastor said. I must be doing it right, you know. Reading the Bible is hard for me. Oh, that's what, that's what the Bible said it would be. So I guess I'm on the right track. Prayer is hard. Okay, well, great. I must be doing it right then. Because the Bible said it'd be hard. It, it is hard. It, it's just going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's gonna, it goes against our, our, our natural inclination, which is against God, away from God. And so listen, folks, if you're going to train yourself from godliness, you've got to get ready. It's going to be hard. Don't, don't, don't start and then quit because it's hard. I mean, how, how would that be with someone who tries to train their physical body, you know? Can you imagine? Someone's, uh, you know, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to go running, you know? And so they come out their door, and, and, and they start running. They go a block, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, man, I, I must not be able to do this because I am breathing hard, and my heart is racing, and I have a pain right here, and my legs, this must be wrong. This must be all wrong. It's not for me. No, that's just it. It just is hard. Some people say it's not. They're lying. That, that Eric Liddell guy, you know, he, he would always say he won the Olympics, the Chariots of Fire guy. He would always say, when I, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I don't know. Do you believe that? I don't feel any pleasure when I run. And I'm seeking God. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's going to be hard. Okay? Pursuing Jesus is going to be hard. You, just get ready. So, what, what are our training exercises? Well, first of all, that's going to be unique for, for everybody to some degree, okay? For, to some degree, you know the things that keep you from God, don't you? You know the things you stumble in. You know the temptations that are hitting you right now in your life. And, and, and for, to some degree, you're going to have to tailor your training for those things. You're going to have to say, all right, I know that this keeps me from God, so i got to attack it. i got to train myself to deal with that in a godly way, Okay? But for all of us, there are going to be general areas that we, all of us, every one of us, if we're going to be godly, we've got to train ourselves in. What are they? They're not, they're not anything that's going to surprise you. Number one, we've got to train ourselves to pray. And what's that going to look like? Well, what does training look like? It's scheduled and it's repetitive, okay? So what does that mean? That means if you're going to train yourself toward godliness, you're going to have to schedule time to pray. You just are. Again, does it just happen automatically? Yeah, there are times through our day where something happens and, and hopefully you respond to God with prayer. Hopefully you've disciplined yourself to learn to do that. But you know what? That usually doesn't happen unless you first discipline yourself to say, I'm, I'm gonna meet with the Lord. I'm gonna meet with the Lord. I'm gonna get up early. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block off some time in my day, and I, I'm going to discipline myself to learn to call out to the Lord, to ask him continually, repetitively for his help. Man, I tell you what, training yourself in prayer, man, it begins to change your life. You get some verses. You know, I, I believe the psalmists, the psalms are of great help here because there's all these great psalms, Psalm 119, 36, and 37. Uh, psalm I say to you guys a lot of times, it's, it's one of the ones I train my, myself with. It says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. You, you know what I'm praying there? God, help me. God, push my heart in the right direction. God, my heart's going in the wrong direction. So you got to push it back. How, how many times do I got to do that during the day? A lot. I do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you put your heart one place and it just stays. Mine doesn't stay. I mean, it sucks back right in the wrong direction. And so I got to pray continually. God, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help put my heart where it needs to be. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew, my, uh, renew a right spirit in me. Uh, those verses, those things, we need to make those our prayers to the Lord. Number two, we need to train ourselves in God's truth. So number one prayer. Number two, Train yourself in God's truth. Notice verse 6. We we get this right in our passage. Ready? If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith. Did you hear that? Being trained in the words of the faith. Folks, we've got to learn God's word. We know what God thinks. We We need to have God's perspective on the world. Don't trust your own perspective, please. Don't trust your own. Don't trust what you think about life. I know most everything I've thought about life has been wrong because I'm a sinner. And, and I need God to tell me what I should think about life. I need God to tell me what I should think about marriage. I need God to tell me what I should think about parenting. I need God to tell me what I should think about the world and the government. I need God to tell me those things. I, I don't want to just think what I think. But, but I, I want to immerse my mind with the Word of God. And, and I want to do so. I want to train my, my, my life with the Word of God so much so that it's like second nature to me to respond to the things in my life with Scripture. I mean, that's what an athlete wants to do, right? You know? Let's say you got a wrestler. He's going out to wrestle. And, and his opponent shoots a double-leg takedown on him. You know what that guy doesn't want to do? He doesn't want to say, all right, let me think about what would be a good response to this. Should I sprawl or should I go for a headlock? Or should... If he's having to do that, he's already pinned and on his back and they're trying to drag him off the mat. He needs to be able to respond immediately, doesn't he? And so you know how that comes? You know how, you... how that comes is if he will train himself day after day after day in the mat, you know what will begin to happen? As soon as someone shoots a double leg takedown on him, he won't even have to think about it. His body will naturally know what to do. You know what I want? When I face temptation, I don't want to have to think, is this a good idea? Should I do this? Should I go ahead and tell that person what I think? You know, I I don't want to have to do that. I I want to immediately know. I want red flags to be going off. Here's what God thinks. Here's what God thinks. Here's what the Word of God says. You know, whenever whenever I, I, I see... Something in the world that I know is sin. I want, I want red flags to be going up. I want scriptures to be popping off in my mind. I want to learn to respond immediately with the truth of God's word. I would encourage you, as I have many times, please memorize scripture. What's the excuse? It's hard. It is hard. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's got to be. It is. It just is. It, and it will be. And, and the longer you put it off, the harder it will be. It's, just, it's, like a, it's really interesting. It's like all bodily training, isn't it? I mean, the longer you put bodily training off, the harder it's going to be, isn't it? I mean, 
You know, for me to eat a cheesecake today doesn't make my dieting tomorrow easier. You know, we like to think that. I'll gorge today, put it off, you know. I'll have a week of just, you know, cheeseburgers every day, and then it'll be easy the next week. No, it won't. It'll be harder, right? Don't put it off. Talk about Scripture. Use Scripture. Use it as a weapon. Okay, so prayer, Scripture. Number three, say no to sinful passions, okay? Learn to, res- learn to say no to your, your, your flesh. Every athlete has to learn to say no in order to train, doesn't he? He's got to learn to say no to eating a certain way, sleeping in, certain comforts. In the same way, you and I have to learn to say no. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Here's a couple of verses on this. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body. Put to death the deeds of the body. Your, your fleshly desires. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Don't give it anything. Don't, don't let it have its way. Don't gratify its desires. And part of spiritual training is learning to say no to those temptations. Learning to say no to that, the sinful patterns in our life. And finally, learning to say yes to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Learning to say yes to the word of God, to the will of God. We got, we got to be doers of the word. We need to train ourselves toward godliness by training ourselves to say yes to God's commands. Man, are, are there things in your life you know God wants you to do, but you just, you just not doing them? It's not a matter of not knowing. You already know. You're just not doing them. You know, and, and, and training begins by saying, okay, God, I'm going to take the step of faith. I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to be who you told me to be. I'm going to say what you told me to say. I'm going to act like you told me to act. God, I'm, I'm going to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. I'm going to train myself to obey the scriptures. All right, real quickly, just wrapping up, let's put all those things together and let me give you a couple examples, all right? Uh, let me give you the first example of anger, okay? Let's say that, that you know anger's keeping me from being godly. I want to be godly, so what are you going to do? You're going to train yourself toward godliness by, let me give you some steps here. Number one, fill your mind with the truth of God's word. What does God's word say about anger? See, we need to know, when is it right to be angry and when is it sinful to be angry? We need to know that. You know why? If we don't know that, you will automatically think all your anger is okay, right? I mean, we do that. We justify, well, yeah, but I should be angry because he or she, okay? You gotta know what God's word says. And then you gotta fill your mind with the truth of God's word on anger. I would, I would encourage you memorizing things like Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. This says, be, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, memorize things like that. And then learn to respond in prayer on a regular basis. God, help me. Help me to control my temper. Um, I went through this with one of my kids. We went through an extensive time of training where we prayed every day, morning and night, and sometimes during the day, God, help Help them with their temper. God, help them with their anger. God, help them to respond to other kids in a way that, that pleases you. And we, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. What was I doing? I was trying to help them with their training. Trying to help them with their training, okay? And, and, and so, so we, we put the word of God in our minds. We, we, we pray. Um, and then we look for opportunities to exercise our will in the right response. Okay, God. Here's an opportunity. I'm angry. All right, I need to take a step of obedience. Okay, let me give you one more. We're we're out of time here. Let me give you one more. How about gratitude? Okay, we are not naturally thankful people. Have you ever noticed that? We aren't. 
we naturally grumble. We naturally complain. We naturally whine, okay? We, and so we have to train ourselves to be thankful. How does that work? Well, first of all, we've got to put the Word of God in our heads, okay? Over and over and over and over and over again. Psalm 118, 24 has been the most, the most effective verse for me. You probably got a different one. I'm just telling you my stuff. For me, in helping me to be gra- grateful. It says, Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Just a simple verse. I know it doesn't even have the word thanksgiving in it. But, but it, it's a verse I say every day. Every day to myself. I say it to others. I say it to my kids. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. Okay? But, it, but it's a verse that stirs up gratitude in me. So I, I, I need to put God's word in me. I need to learn to pray. I need to learn to, to, to pray prayers of thanksgiving. We don't do that by, na- by, by nature. So we need to block off time on our drive to work, wherever, where we just start thinking about all the blessings of God, all the riches of Christ that he's put in our lives. And then thirdly, I need to learn to respond, to say no to discontent and whining and complaining. Whenever I hear myself being a whiner, I need to say no to that. And I need to say yes, yes, Lord, when I'm anxious, when I'm worried, when I'm troubled, when I struggle. Lord, yes, I'm, I'm going to be obedient here. I'm going to be grateful. Lots of examples, um, serving the Lord, lust, all kinds of things we talk about. But listen, listen, the point is, train yourself for godliness. Why? Here's the good news. Because godliness is valuable in every way right now in your life today and for the life to come. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for, uh, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, without the Holy Spirit, we would have no hope of, of being godly, no hope of progressing and in, in loving you and serving you and, and, and pleasing you. But Lord, I, I am confident that with the Holy Spirit, God, that you, you, can, you can shape us and mold us and bless our efforts, Lord, to make us the people you've called us to be. So Lord, help us to train ourselves for godliness. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.